What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode two of Preloaded, the podcast that is dedicated to previewing and talking about the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games that you should definitely have on your radar. My name is Josh Finderup, and I will be hosting alongside the other half of Preloaded, Mr. Jackson Van Over. Jackson, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Josh. I'm really excited to jump into another week of Preloaded. Yeah, same here. Last week went great. I want to thank all of our listeners and our viewers if you happened to watch the video version over on Jackson's YouTube channel. Uh, But for this week, we are going to be talking about the PS5. We got some brand new PS5 hardware details, so that's exciting. We're also going to be talking about the massive recent Avengers leak, and we're going to be having a broader general discussion about game reveals and whether or not companies reveal their games too soon too early and how that whole uh, reveal process has changed. But before we get into all of that, I do want to go over some housekeeping. You can find Preloaded on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and we post every Monday. You can also find the video version on JV's YouTube channel if you'd prefer to watch. And again, all of that posts on Monday, so definitely check it out wherever you prefer to listen or watch. Now, you can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And so if you have questions for Jackson or I, or you just have some feedback about the podcast in general, uh, please write in and let us know how we're doing, things you'd like to see improved, or things that you think we're doing well. And again, that's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So we'll definitely look forward to hearing from you guys and gals as we move forward. Uh, And speaking of, we want to actually kick things off this week with a question of the week. We did get some some mail, which was super exciting. I I was kind of wondering how many people we would get listening on our first week. Well, we got some, and uh, you did write in, so thank you very much. The first comes in, or the question, rather, comes in from Luke C., and I will kick this over to you, Jackson. Luke asks, have any games ever made you cry? Well, Luke, yes, absolutely. Um, A lot of games have made me cry. Mass Effect is one in particular that I remember having a significant impact on me. But the most recent game was actually Ghost of Tsushima. And I can't talk about the specific moment because it might be a spoiler. But games definitely tug at my heartstrings for sure. Yeah, uh, I am in the same boat that games have made me cry. There's only a handful of them, though. The first time it ever happened was Final Fantasy X, and that was when I played it all the way back when it came out. So that was a long time ago. And then it went a long stretch without it happening again. But Journey made me uh, tear up just because it was so beautiful. Uh, It wasn't at the end like some people might expect. It was just the, the... the beauty of that game uh, really got to me as I was playing at it or playing through it at a, at a couple moments. And then more recently, a game inspired by Journey. Uh, I always uh, worry that I'm mispronouncing this. I think it's Gree, but Gris. Oh, right. or, or I never Gris. played that. Gris, I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, if you like Journey, then you got to play uh, Gree. It's an unbelievable game. There's one moment in, in uh, particular like you I can't spoil it but uh one moment just really uh was like a gut punch and then um more recently 
Final Fantasy VII, the the remake. Uh, and it was just because that I was very nostalgic for that game. I still am. And when I saw the opening cinematic, that game just nailed it. And uh, I, I was so happy that they, they, they got the tone and the look and the feel of the game right. And it brought me right back to when I was a kid. And I played that for the first time. So yeah, nostalgia is a really good way to make me cry. Yeah, exactly. So thanks, Luke, for that question. Uh, keep writing in, guys, with your questions. Uh, again, we'll we'll ask you one at the end of the show, but if you have anything you want to know from Jackson or I, please write in again, preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So our first segment that we went over last week that we're now going to kick things off with this week is uh, out this week. We're going to talk about the games that are coming out uh, starting Monday when this game posts or when this, uh, excuse me, when this uh, podcast posts moving on through Friday of the week. And the first game on the list is actually a DLC that we wanted to include. Control, I believe it's it's the AWE expansion. And, you know, it's funny now that I'm going over this, I don't recall what the actual acronym is, but I have heard some people say that it's Alan Wake expansion because this uh, DLC uh, features in some way, in some fashion, Alan Wake. Uh, right. So the trailer has Alan Wake in it, Um from playing Control, I believe it could be Alan Wake expansion, but it also might be a double meaning because AWEs and Control were altered world events. Yep. So it's some sort of creepy thing that's happening within the Control slash larger Alan Wake Remedy universe that they've created. Yeah, it's funny that I didn't remember that because I love Control. I actually platinumed the, the game on my PlayStation and one of my uh, favorite games last year. So yeah, it was a good game. If you're into Control... Yeah, if you're into Control and uh, you are, uh, I don't play a lot of DLC, uh, but if you are into DLC, this is uh, bound to be, I think, pretty good. That game was fantastic. Oh, and by the way, that comes out on August 27th. Next on the list, Surgeon Simulator 2 also comes out on August 27th. I must be honest, I have no intention of playing (laughs) this, but these games do crack me up. They make for some awesome uh, Let's Plays. They sure do. They make for great Let's Plays and streams. Um, it's kind of like you're playing Operation, but in a video game. And I actually watched a trailer for this before we hopped on the podcast. There's a lot of like surgery, surgery room customization going on. So, hey, <laughs> if that is your heart's desire, then you can do it in this game. Yep. Uh, that also, again, comes out on August 27th. And the next game and last game that comes out that same day is Tell Me Why, which I am actually looking forward to. So this is don't nods next game that is coming out on the Xbox One and PC. Uh, I believe it's a either it's got to be a timed exclusive for Xbox and and Game Pass. Uh, but uh, another narrative driven experience. I think that from the trailer they showed at the, um, I believe it was the last Xbox stream or event they showed a trailer for this, and I I thought it looked great. Yeah, I am not a big fan of these narrative uh, adventure types of games, actually. But I will say that I've never played Life is Strange. So if I play one of these, my mind might be changed. So I'm excited to hear what you think about it. Yeah, um, I'll definitely be uh, checking it out. Uh, Next is Madden NFL 21. A huge release comes out on August 28th. This comes out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. Um, I will not be playing this. I'm not a big sports game guy, but I do know that a ton of people play these games. Yes, every single year. They don't change much, but we know that it's going to sell a ton. Yep. The next game on the list comes out as well on August 28th, and that's Project Cars 3. 
Uh, this was interesting for me to see on this list. I didn't actually know this was coming out until I researched what was coming out. And, you know, the developers of this game just came out with Fast and Furious Crossroads. <laughs> right. So hopefully they uh, that was a swing and a miss. Hopefully this is a bit better. You would think because this is more of the simulation, Gran Turismo, that kind of style of racing game. Uh, so you would think that this has a little more polish to it. So we'll see. Yeah, and the previous Project Cars games have gotten really great reviews, yes. so I do have higher expectations for this. I did read that it is a bit more arcadey than their past uh, efforts, but um, it should nonetheless be pretty decent. Moving on, the next game also comes out on August 28th, Wasteland 3. So this is a game, uh, I, I'm not remembering the studio's name, but Microsoft did purchase the studio that makes this. So uh, while this game is coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, it's kind of being marketed as an Xbox One exclusive. Uh, it's a kind of a tactical role-playing experience. Yes, this is, I believe it's In Exile Entertainment, and uh, this is made by people, like Wasteland is a long-running franchise. It's had a big gap in between games, but... Uh, it's very post-apocalyptic, very Fallout even, if you're looking for that kind of, and when I mean Fallout, I mean before Bethesda, before Fallout 3, kind of a classic isometric RPG experience. I'm definitely going to be checking out this game. I'm excited to play. All right, so that is what is out this week. Let's now take a look at the review roundup for the games that came out the previous week, last week. So uh, right at the top, we have Mortal Shell came out, and uh, I will be talking about this later. I've uh, picked this up. I've been playing it on my PlayStation 4, and it has a 76% uh, top critic rating on Open Critic and a 59% recommend, which I'm kind of surprised by that 59%. You know, I have not been able to play this game yet, so I'm excited to hear your experiences. Uh, I really want to play it, and I'm also kind of surprised by this. I think I watched some reviews, so I don't want to dwell on this too much, but people are saying it's trying to be too much like Dark Souls and therefore it's hurt by it. So it's interesting. I'm still going to play it, though. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about this a bit later. Uh, the next game that got just outstanding reviews, Microsoft Flight Simulator, is sitting at a 93% uh, top critic rating and a 100% recommend rating. So I know IGN gave it a 10. This game just looks really good. It almost seems like a groundbreaking piece of tech that is just so out there and so impressive that everyone is blown away by it, but it's not like in the form of hardware. It's it's a game, which you don't get all that often. So I really want to play this. I've tried to download it and had issues. I feel like a boomer over here with my computer, but <laughs> I need to check it out for myself because it looks great. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to play it when it comes out for... I'll probably wait to play this on my Series X. It is lined up for Xbox Game Pass. You can currently get it on uh, Game Pass for PC. So... Um, I'll be checking it out. It looks, yeah, it looks fantastic. The next game that uh, is sitting at an 81% top critic and a 81% recommended rating is EA Sports UFC 4. This is a bit late. These, this game actually came out the prior week, but we finally got some review scores for it. Uh, I don't have any interest in these uh, games. Again, sports games, not my jam. Neither for me. And the next game was a big surprise. This is a game, uh, an indie title that came out, uh, I believe, on Switch and other platforms. But Spiritfarer got a 88% top critic rating and 92% recommend. This is a uh, like a, a management sim where you manage, I, I think, a a boat that you build and and acts as kind of your base, and you're going through the afterlife and seeing off friends that you that have died and they are off to whatever's next and 
that probably makes no sense to anybody <laughs> listening, but it is it's getting great reviews. It seems like one of those indie gems that you just have to make time to play. Um, but speaking of games that make you cry, I'm sure this is one of those if you play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see it at um, PAX, and it looked it looked great. Uh, the art style is nice, so uh, definitely check out Spirit Fair if you're like if you if you're into uh, more management sims, kind of like um. Uh, uh, Stardew Valley or or even Animal Crossing, that type of gameplay. Next on the list is Battletoads. I know this was highly anticipated by a lot of people who uh, remember the old games, but it did not uh, review all that great. It does have a 70% top critic rating, which isn't bad, but 55% of people who, uh, or 55% of reviewers recommend it. I don't have plans to play Battletoads, like I said last week, but I watched a review uh, of someone who really actually liked the game and said it was kind of a faithful reimagining for 2020. It didn't try to change too much. It's something that's going to satisfy fans. So I'm thinking that's exactly the kind of game it is, which is totally fine with me. Yeah, I saw some of the larger outlets gave it pretty decent scores. So definitely check it out if you're into like it's it's a humorous game. It's got that animated art style uh, and it's probably got some really challenging platforming. So if that's your thing, check out Battletoads. All right, well, we are going to take our first break, so we will be back with the week in previews in just a minute. Welcome back. We are going to now take a look at the week in previews. This is the section of our podcast where we talk about hands-on previews, if Jackson or I have played any games that are coming out, and we discuss the news around games that are coming out in the near future. We are going to kick things off with uh, my impressions of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 plus 2 demo that recently came out. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I don't know how many people are looking forward to Tony Hawk. However, it is one of my most anticipated games of the year. Uh, Jackson, I don't know if you ever played Tony Hawk back in the day or if this franchise holds a special place in your heart like it does for me. It does, yes. Um, But some of the kind of the later games, I would say. Um, So I think like... Tony Hawk Project 7, when they like rebranded and changed the names up, those were the games that I played and that I really enjoyed. But like the very old classic ones with like the warehouse level, it's not as nostalgic uh, for me as I assume it is for you. Yeah. So I played uh, specifically Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 okay. uh, when I was in college. And man, I lived in the dorms at the time. And me and my friends would just try and outdo each other's scores over and over again. And that's a big part of what this game is. Just to give people a rundown, if you're not familiar, Tony Hawk, uh, it's a skateboarding game, and it gives you um, many levels to explore in each game. And it is kind of a combination of trying to top your high score with stringing together really long and elaborate combos. And it also combines that with a bit of exploration. So each level has a lot of secrets, a lot of objectives to complete. So each level is kind of its own little collect-a-thon, which uh, really spoke to me as a gamer. That's my style through and through. And in the demo, they the biggest thing is that they absolutely nailed the physics from the first games. And Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, there was a remake of these games that came out a few years ago, but that was the biggest problem. The, the physics just didn't feel right, and I couldn't play through them. This feels perfect. So if you have any memories of what Tony Hawk feels like, you can expect the same kind of um, heavy uh, physics. I I don't know how else to describe it other than you're just kind of heavy. You don't float in this game. Um, 
and you, you stick to whatever, like if you do a grind or you're doing a manual on the ground to extend your combo, it's very sticky. Yeah, it's funny how those very specific things are what we remember most about those old games. So when does Tony Hawk um, come out, the remake? I believe it's September 4th, the same day, I think, as um, uh, the uh, Avengers game, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that's right around the corner. Yeah, if you... Uh, if you pre-order the game, you'll get the demo that I played. And uh, I did find that it was great for a few hours of gameplay. All it does is gives you two minutes to just run through and rack up as high a score as you can. It doesn't have any of the additional objectives. It's just a two-minute demo where you try to rack up a high score. But anyways, this looks fantastic. It's also developed by Vicarious Visions, who did the Crash Bandicoot remakes. So uh, we have no reason to think that this game won't be um, great. Yeah, it looks like it's in good hands with that dev. Yep. Uh, moving on, our first news story of the week, a big one that dropped early on, Marvel's Avengers had 15 unannounced characters reportedly found in a data mine. Did you did you get wind of this, Jackson? Yeah, so uh, I, I think this may be a good leak, actually. Um, it'll work in their favor because at least some of the older fans... And when I say older, I don't mean much older, but like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, that series. If you like that series, I think a leak like this is going to make you more excited for Avengers because of the sheer list of characters that are on here. Now, it does seem like some of these are more like Echo characters or clones where they have the same exact abilities, but different animations and different skins. Now, that'd be a bit of a bummer, but I can absolutely see some of those lining up. But at the same time, this actually makes me a little bit more excited because that's something that I felt was lacking from the the demo, the open beta. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, just to give uh, everyone an idea, I will run down the list really quickly. So it's Ant-Man, the Wasp, Vision, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Falcon, Marvel, Mockingbird, Quake, Winter Soldier, Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, Kate Bishop, She-Hulk, and War Machine. Now, I'm not familiar with all these. I'm not a comic. I'm not a, I am not ai do like comics and I'm a fan, but some of these are not familiar to me. But right. those Echo characters that you were referring to, like She-Hulk and War Machine, for example, She-Hulk's probably going to have similar abilities to Hulk. War Machine's probably going to have similar abilities to Iron Man. Absolutely. I think that's something that we should probably expect. Um, if Now, they may just blow us away and give us so much variety that it'll blow our mind in terms of uh, play styles and that would be a pleasant surprise but i wouldn't get my hopes up on that right and one other thing to note here when i first heard this i was like well how do we know that these are playable characters and not necessarily just characters in the the, the broader story right there were um so they they found that each of these characters had challenge cards attached to them and those are basically uh like here's an article uh from ign.com that says challenge cards are essentially in-game battle passes for each hero in Marvel's Avengers that scale as you rank up. And yeah, I saw this for Miss Marvel when I was playing the beta. Uh, it's all these unlockables that you can get for that character. So if they each have a challenge card, these are almost certainly playable characters. Right. And I think if they parse these out at a very uh, smart pace in terms of releasing a new character like every two weeks or every month. I know that's kind of a tall order, but if that's what they have set up, some kind of outline like that, then I think a lot of people will be very happy. Yeah, me too. So we'll uh, no doubt get more information about this game in the coming week or two before we lead up to release, but uh, kind of exciting news for people who are looking forward to uh, any or all of these characters. 
Uh, next was another big story, but this one took me and I think a lot of people by complete surprise. Ghost of Tsushima Legends announced. Now, Ghost of Tsushima Legends is a multiplayer expansion, I guess we could call it, to the original game that is releasing for free in the fall. Jackson, what was your initial reaction to this? I was shocked by Legends because it came out of absolutely nowhere. It's not every day that you see a big budget exclusive story focused single player narrative open world game suddenly come out of nowhere and say, hey, we're going to release a co-op focused uh, sort of wave based survival mode. And so Legends really took me by surprise. And the fact that it's revolving around different character classes. You have the samurai, the hunter, the ronin, and the assassin, each with their own unique advantages and abilities. Uh, it just completely took my took me by surprise. Yeah, and one thing I found interesting is it sounds like it'll be a very different experience whether you play it with two people or whether you play it with four people or maybe three or four people. So on the blog, this is from uh, the PlayStation blog, it says, with two players in Ghost of Tsushima Legends, you'll be able to play a series of co-op story missions that escalate in difficulty, building on the foundation of the combat from the single-player campaign, but with new magical twists that often require careful synchronization. Uh, so that's interesting. But then it says, with four players, you'll be able to take on wave-based survival missions, fighting groups of the toughest enemies Tsushima has to offer, including new Oni enemies and uh, supernatural abilities. So... Just interesting that it's going to be different for people who play with two players or people who play with more than two players. I actually did not catch that. So that is news to me. I guess I didn't read carefully enough. And then further on in this post, it says that later on, they're adding a four player raid after the launch of Legends. Right. It'll send us to an entirely new realm to challenge a brutal and terrifying enemy. And so I always think back to the original Destiny when I hear the term raid well i mean that term's been used forever like world of warcraft whatever but this sounds like a very fun co-op challenge based activity that i would have a blast doing with friends yeah um i i agree this is very cool and it's the fact that it is free just super cool of uh, sucker punch to kind of shadow drop this and um, i'm sure they've been working on it for a long time and they've managed to keep it a secret which is pretty cool so very neat the next story is not so neat. Deathloop, <laughs> uh, Deathloop got delayed to Q2 2021. Jackson, did you want to uh, cover this real quick? Sure. So this is a big deal um, because Deathloop looked really cool. Uh, I think I've actually said in the past that it underwhelmed me, but the more I've looked back at it, the more I think it looks awesome and I love Arcane. But the reason this is a big deal is that this was supposed to be a PlayStation 5 timed exclusive ready for launch at least that's what we assumed yep. it was going to be and so this circles back to our conversation last week about launch lineups and how important they are for the launch of a console and we were both very excited about the exclusives for playstation 5 Deathloop being one of those and so the fact that this is getting pushed out of 2020 like so many other games is quite a big deal yeah and it is a bummer but at the same time with as with all delays uh, you know, we just hope that it gives them the time they need to make the game they want to make. And Arcane is a great studio, so uh, the expectations are pretty high. But yeah, I thought that this was one. This actually was one of my most anticipated games coming out of the PlayStation 5 reveal event. So I was bummed to see this. But at the same time, 
looking forward to when it finally does come. I guess it'll give me more time to play Cyberpunk and all the other games that are coming out in the fall. Right. That's the only bright side I feel like in this <laughs> is more time to play Cyberpunk in Valhalla. The, the next story, uh, I'll kick this one over to you again, Jackson. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, title confirmed, and a trailer as well. And uh, we got a, a date. Right. So uh, there's been this reveal going on over the past couple of weeks. I touched on it last week, and we thought that the game was going to be revealed um, last Friday. In fact, it did not. But we do know that the game for sure is coming out with a reveal trailer on August 22nd or 26th. Excuse me. But for now, we have the title confirmed. It is Black Ops Cold War. And Treyarch actually revealed some art as well, showing a very colorful look at Call of Duty, perhaps the most colorful piece of art that Call of Duty's ever revealed. It's not grimy and sort of dark and dirty like we expect. It is very colorful and it kind of plays on, um, you know, tones of communism and lots of things that you're dealing with throughout the Cold War era. So... It's going to be interesting to see exactly what this game is on August 22nd. I mean, 26th, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am a big single-player Call of Duty fan. I think that they put together some of the best single-player first-person shooter campaigns, even if they are somewhat short. Uh, I, I really like them. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be curious to tune in and see what we've got on August 26th. Yeah, and it really plays on some themes that they in, uh, first established in Black Ops. It's very conspiracy-driven, um, judging from the trailer, the little reveal trailer for the title of this game. So, yeah, I'm interested, too. Yeah, and uh, to that point, you know, the Cold War is associated with actually the lack of actual warfare, which is interesting. I wonder if they're going to lean into any of, like, the espionage, um, the kind of um, covert ops sort of things that you might get with with that. I know there was the Vietnam War, and if this game takes place in Vietnam, obviously you've got plenty of explosions and, and gunfighting and all that, but uh, it's just it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this Cold War direction. Right. I, I think they absolutely will lean to that stuff if this game is anything like uh, the original Black Ops, which actually came out 10 years ago, if you can believe that. Uh, it, it will lean into that stuff. There are a lot of themes of that in that campaign. Awesome. So next is uh, kind of an older story. This came, actually came out the, the, the prior week, or it started leaking, I guess. Uh, WB Montreal's Gotham Knights and Rocksteady Suicide Squad reveal. It is official. These games are real, and we are going to get a lot more news about them this Saturday during DC Fandom, and they are just promoting the heck out of this event. I don't know how deep we're going to get with these games, but uh, Suicide Squad, we know uh, that is the, the title has been revealed. Kill the Justice League, that's the subtitle. And we got that tweet with Superman uh, with the purple eyes indicating that he's kind of been possessed and he has the bullseye on the back of his head, implying that you're going to take on the entire Suicide Squad to go after Superman. And as the title implies, the entire Justice League. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Did you have, before we get on to Warner Brothers game, did you have any reaction to this, Jackson? Uh, just that I'm I'm excited to finally see what Rocksteady has been working on because everyone or not everyone but most people love the batman arkham series arkham knight was a little disappointing but it's so exciting to see that rocksteady has another game for us to play very soon hopefully yeah yeah and um i i think the big question here is is it going to be a live service game or not obviously rocksteady is known for their single player experiences but taking on multiple characters in the suicide squad 
definitely hints towards maybe something uh, that is multiplayer. So we'll see. The next game that is going to be revealed officially, uh, at least shown officially, I guess it's already been revealed, is Warner Brothers Montreal's game, which is titled Gotham Knights. And uh, funny enough, we were talking about this before the show, Jackson. This is probably the game that's going to be more Rocksteady than Rocksteady's game. This is um, People are assuming that this is going to be a single-player, narrative-focused experience. If all of the assumptions are true, then yes, Gotham Knights does seem... A lot of the reveals have been hinting towards the Court of Owls, which I don't know if yep. you um, are big into like you know DC Comics and stuff. I'm not personally, but from what I've looked into, um, this is an interesting backdrop for a Batman game. And it does seem to point towards the fact that it's more of a single-player experience. So I'm very interested to see what they're going to reveal. Yeah, so I did read the Court of Owls comics uh, where they uh, introduced, I believe it was the the series where they introduced the Court of Owls. I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to claim to know too much. But from my memory, they are a very formidable adversary for Batman. So I'm really excited. I do think it could make for a great story. You know, the only downside, I think, to a Court of Owls game is that it doesn't feature, at least that we know of yet, any really familiar faces. Like, we don't know if the Joker will be in this or or Bane or any of these villains, Poison Ivy, that that we've kind of come to know and love. But uh, the Court of Owls, definitely a scary kind of uh, sect or group of um, people and villains. So, interesting stuff. The next story, not as exciting. Not uh, This is definitely a bummer uh, just all around. Um, Ubisoft fires Ashraf Ismail after a scandal. Um, the Ashraf was the creative director on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And while this news isn't typically stuff we would cover, uh, in too much detail, this does affect obviously Assassin's Creed Valhalla, one of the biggest games of the fall. Um, I don't know if you have any idea, you know, I know you did a lot of coverage on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Jackson, I don't know if you have any kind of insight into how this might affect the rest of the development as this game approaches its launch. Sure. I think that Valhalla has been in a polishing phase for a while now. So from a technical perspective, I don't think it will affect much. But definitely from a PR perspective, this has an impact on Valhalla. Uh, just the allegations surrounding Ashraf uh, are very troubling and it's part of a yeah. pattern that we've seen with Ubisoft as a whole. So I think this will kind of hurt um, the the perception around Ubisoft in general and around Valhalla, unfortunately. Yeah, and just if our listeners aren't familiar, the, the scandal had little to absolutely nothing to do with the development of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. He basically was found to be um, unfaithful to his spouse. And uh, that's not what got him fired. However, what got him fired was that he basically abused his power to start a relationship with this other uh, person. Just a bummer all around. And an another story following this up that is in a similar vein, but not with no scandal surrounding it, but uh, the narrative lead and creative director of Bloodlines 2 have been fired. Jackson, do you want to take this one? Yeah, so this is a kind of a mysterious story at this point. Um, Brian Matsudo, I believe is his name, was the narrative lead and was actually on the first game, Vampires, The Masquerade, Bloodlines, like a really long name for a game. Sorry, The Masquerade, Bloodlines. Uh, so this was the guy that led credibility to Bloodlines 2. 
And the fact that he was just mysteriously let go from this project um, doesn't bode well for it. And this is a game we've seen in bits and pieces. There's even some long deep dive impressions and playthroughs um, that we've seen so far. It's an RPG. It's obviously vampire focused. But uh, the fact that you lose someone who's so essential to a project like that is not great for this game. Yeah, I, I, like you, was looking forward, or and I still am looking forward to this game. I think the gameplay actually looks pretty great, so we'll we'll see what it looks like the next time they show it. Hopefully, uh, we get to see some of this game uh, at Gamescom, which is actually our next uh, story, uh, kind of a story. Gamescom is coming up August 27th, so that's pretty darn soon. So Jackson and I just wanted to kind of discuss what we think we might see at Gamescom uh, particularly on opening night, I think that's when we might get some big news. Did you have anything that you are expecting to see at Gamescom when they kick off? Uh, I wouldn't say expecting. I, I actually would like to see uh, some more cyberpunk. It's kind of funny. We just saw cyberpunk. Night City Wire was not that long ago. But I feel like uh, CD Projekt Red typically shows off and they like to show off unique things at Gamescom. So I would like to see another facet of cyberpunk that hasn't been shown yet. Um, I think that they will come out and show something for cyberpunk. Yeah, I would uh, be surprised if we didn't see anything from yeah, CD Projekt Red. Um, my prediction here is that on opening night, we get some hard Xbox information about um, either a release date, maybe even a price. I think that the way they revealed the Xbox Series X at the Game Awards kind of shows that they're willing to go outside of their their own Xbox-branded messaging. And Gamescom has such a massive audience that I think that this might be a place where Microsoft puts that foot forward. Um, I would love to also- see more about Xbox. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, I would love to see uh, it's just some kind of price. I, I want that to get the ball rolling for Sony and Microsoft. I want to know how much these things are going to cost. Yep. Yeah, you and I think all of us are very interested to know uh, You know who's going to go first. Right now they're playing chicken. Um, right. And my prediction would be that Microsoft does undercut Sony if they can. But if they go first, you know they may not have that opportunity. It's going to be really interesting to see how the pricing of these systems shapes up. Our last story of the week is a big one, uh, and it just dropped this morning. So PlayStation dropped a commercial for the PlayStation 5, which was pretty standard, just kind of a regular old uh, gaming commercial. Nothing too special there, but they released alongside that a blog post that talked a lot about the the DualSense controller. And we actually got some pretty interesting details about how this controller is going to work particularly with the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers. I have some stuff that I thought was pretty interesting, but Jackson, I want to ask you first, was there anything in here that struck you as particularly interesting? Yes, uh, all of it, if I'm being honest, because this is not a feature that I thought was particularly exciting when PS5 was revealed. Uh, When you hear about like rumble and vibration of controller, it's like, eh, okay. Uh, But this seems like something that's going to take a leap forward that's going to really enhance the experience, even more so than like the touchpad on the PlayStation 4 on that DualSense. So in Spider-Man Miles Morales, we got a little hint from the creative director on the game from Insomniac saying that the game will actually give us hints which direction attacks are coming from by providing haptic feedback in the appropriate direction with our controller. So we'll feel... Yep 
before we're about to get attacked, which is such a cool like concept. It's hard to even imagine because we haven't felt that kind of technology yet. Yeah, that was one that uh, struck me as well. Uh, I have never, that I know of, I've never experienced that in a game. And it does seem like, so for people who haven't checked it out, if you go to PlayStation blog, the post talks about the initial features that they highlight in the commercial, but then it has just a bunch of quotes from developers talking about how they've implemented these features into their games. And Spider-Man was a big one. Another one was from Deathloop. So I'll just read this quote from, it's uh, from, uh, hopefully I pronounced this correctly. Dinga Bakaba, the game director on Deathloop, and he says, One I like is blocking the triggers when your weapon jams to give the player an immediate feedback even before the animation plays out, which prompts the player in a physical way that they have to unjam their gun. So we've heard so many times that these adaptive triggers are going to be used to simulate the feel of a bow, and it's kind of seemed like Sony has nothing else up their sleeve as far as how this feature is going to work. But here's an example that I thought was kind of interesting, that there are other ways that developers are considering to use the adaptive triggers. Right, and another one of my favorites is also from Insomniac, the creative director on Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, is saying, for the double-barrel shotgun, as you pull the trigger, you'll fire from one barrel, but you can feel resistance like pushing back on your finger around halfway down the trigger in which case you're gonna have to pull harder to shoot both and that's such a cool feeling it almost feels like something you'd uh, get from like an arcade experience at the arcade instead of something that's at home with your console yeah really cool stuff So that is our news of the week, but we do have one last thing that we want to briefly mention, a bit of a a preview for next week. Uh, Jackson, did you want to take it away? Yes. Uh, So I actually got some preview code from the publisher 2K for Mafia Definitive Edition, and I'm going to be playing it over the next week. Unfortunately, I can't share any details, but I just want to give you guys a small heads up that I will share some brief thoughts in this section of the show next week because the embargo lifts for everything that I'm playing in the game on August 26th. So all I can say is I hope you guys are looking forward to it. All right. Now it is time for uh, the discussion around our featured topic of the week. This week, we're going to be talking game reveals and how developers and publishers reveal their games. And as of the time we're recording this podcast, we have a very big reveal event coming up this weekend with DC Fandom. And at that event, we're going to see the official reveal of the Gotham Knights game being developed by uh, WB Montreal. And that's significant because this game has had one of the longest and most drawn out drip feeds of just teeny tiny bits of information, if you could even call it that. And so some people might really enjoy getting teased like this, and some people might think that this is just too much. Just show us the game already. Um, Jackson, how do you feel in general about how games are revealed? Do you think that the gaming industry kicks the whole marketing campaign for games off too early? I do. I think there's definitely a good way to do a reveal and a bad way to do one. Um, I think we can generally draw some lines like how early is it? How how early is too early to show off your game? Is your game even ready to show off? Is it appropriate to just show a completely CG trailer that shows no gameplay that isn't actually representative of the experience that's going to come out in a couple of years? There's a lot of... Uh, interesting ways that companies handle this stuff and a lot of them aren't great but some of them do it right yeah i agree i think that we've seen kind of two ends of the spectrum one with this batman game and then you know 
take Fallout 4, for example, where Bethesda, of course, everybody knew that they were working on Fallout 4, but they didn't show it until the E3 prior to the fall that they actually released the game. So we didn't get an official look at Fallout until only months prior to its release. I personally really prefer that. I'd love to just get some big news and then have a very short amount of time before I can look forward to playing that game. Um, Now, if everybody did that, maybe we'd have less stuff to look forward to. Maybe we'd have less lead-up time. Obviously, we'd have less lead-up time, and that might give us yeah less to look forward to. Uh, Did you appreciate that? Well, first, I was going to say that we would have less to talk about in our podcast. So I sincerely (laughs) hope that publishers and developers don't do that. But I'm glad you brought up Fallout 4 because that is a wonderful example of a game that uh, was it was leaked. We kind of knew about it, but it was still unsubstantiated. So it was kind of wishy-washy. But then, yeah, that E3, it was E3 2015. They showed it off and then the game came out later that year. And it was kind of magical, right? Because they showed us a very extended look of the game that was pretty much exactly what we got to play when it came out. So it almost is the perfect example of a game reveal where you're seeing exactly what you're going to get. It's not too far out, but it's just far out enough for people that only buy a few games a year to be like, all right, I'm saving up money to buy the one game that I play. and It's going to be Fallout 4. What I see here is what I'm going to get. And so it's funny you mention that because that is like the perfect example of how I think most game reveals should happen. Yeah, and I think that another kind of interesting aspect of this conversation that I don't feel gets a lot of attention is I do think it's important to have some sympathy. I don't want to be the corporate apologist here, but some sympathy and empathy for the developers themselves, not so much the publishers, but the developers. And it's got to be hard. I mean, game development takes a very long time, especially for big AAA games. It can be five years or more sometimes. So first of all, just keeping that a secret. And sometimes these games, more often than not, they get leaked before they get officially revealed. So that starts to kind of, once a game gets leaked, or if it's a sequel that people are just expecting to eventually come, like God of War 2, for example, no official announcement has been made, but everybody just assumes that game is coming. And so you have uh, these developers that have a fan base, an audience that is um, hopeful and almost expectant of information and uh they've got to be on the developer side both excited and trepidatious about when do we reveal this game and it's got to be a difficult thing to time correctly um, especially with game development changing over time say you reveal a game too soon then you you attach a release date to it uh halo is a great example even though it didn't get a date it had a window and then it just wasn't ready or cyberpunk it's been delayed twice you know uh, it's just a just a balancing act for these developers Right. And I'm sure there's a lot going on behind the scenes, uh, push and pull between the publisher and the developer. Because exactly. I'm sure the publisher, that's where all the money is, right? And they have a lot of say in when they want these games to be shown. But at the same time, you can turn around and look at the developer and they may not just be ready to show. They don't want to show their game off yet. And so I'm sure there's so much back and forth in conversation that we just never get to see. And unfortunately, a lot of the admonishment goes towards the developers, which they don't exactly deserve. At least I would um, argue that they don't deserve as much flack as they get in terms of the marketing of video games and how teasers and reveals are handled. Yeah. The one thing I, I, even though it's 
tough sometimes to wait and wait and wait for a release date. I do wish that publishers and developers, but I think it's mostly publishers, would be more careful about when they announce that a game is going to come out. Now, I know uh, public companies like Ubisoft and Electronic Arts, uh, they have to appease their shareholders. So they have to say, oh, this game's coming out in this fiscal year. So they have to attach uh, some sort of release window to it. But it's frustrating to see games like Cyberpunk, uh, even though I give CD Projekt Red all the credit in the world, and I'm far less frustrated with them than others because they are so pro-consumer. But it is frustrating to see a game like Cyberpunk get delayed. You, you know, you had all this time to uh, plan your announcement. You'd think that they would get it right uh, instead of disappoint gamers. I know, again, I'm not that disappointed, but there are a lot of gamers out there who, when a, a game like Cyberpunk gets delayed, it's a major disappointment to them. Right, and Cyberpunk may very well be the most hyped video game ever, full stop. Yep. That is the kind of stakes that we're dealing with with that kind of game. And so the fact that the first, uh, the the trailer that revealed the title for Cyberpunk, I looked this up, came out, I think it was October 2012. And then the first Cyberpunk <laughs> CG trailer wow. came out in 2013. And here we are yep. talking about delays for this video game in 2020. So it's kind of bizarre that this is the kind of world that we operate in in terms of marketing games. But hey, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, and to be clear, I'm not um, upset about the delay itself. I'm more ups not a, upset's the wrong word, but it's just I would think that developers and publishers would be more careful about announcing the initial release date. You know, the game's going to be ready when it's ready, and that seems to be just the way game development works. One one interesting thing I we didn't we never got to talk about this, and maybe we'll move on after this because I know we're running short on time, but. Did you? How did you feel about how The Last of Us was marketed and revealed uh, leading up to its release? That's a great point. I was okay with what they chose to do. And I don't know if we want to delve into spoilers. Maybe we don't just for the people that, yeah. uh, that have not <laughs> played really the game. That's a really good point. But, Maybe um, I opened a can <clears throat> I didn't need to open. Oh, no. I, th I think we should still discuss it because the marketing campaign showed a very different story-related outcome from what you experience in the game. I don't know if that in and of itself is a spoiler, but there you go. That's what happened. And I think specifically for this game, it's kind of like I want to give them a pass because I think it made total sense for what happened in the game for Naughty Dog and Sony to do that. So in instances like that, I think it makes sense and it works. Yeah, yeah. And another game, this is a little unrelated, but that was another game that was just devastated by a massive leak. Uh, but yeah. it you know, didn't seem to affect the final outcome. I know that game sold incredibly well, but yeah, really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see uh, this Saturday what we get from uh, Gotham Knights and uh, Suicide Squad. My my hope is that they have they 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 cool it with the teasers, show us the game, show us gameplay. That's another thing. Gosh, I, I have so much to talk about here, but I do want to mention moving forward. Can we please get more gameplay than these cinematic trailers? I know that sometimes you can't show gameplay, but Cinematic trailers have kind of become my uh, a pet peeve of mine when it comes to these uh, showcases that we've seen. I think you're in the same boat as a lot of people. And I'm actually not so um, against CG trailers because I think it shows like the essence of a game really well. And maybe at a point where the gameplay isn't ready. But that kind of brings us back to the conversation. Should you even be showing that trailer if there's not gameplay ready to show? I'm with you on DC Fandom. I think... We do need to see some gameplay. And I really am crossing my fingers that these games come out 
in the next year. I yes. think if they're showing this stuff now and this game, these games are not coming out soon, that'll be a real bummer. Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to drop a total bomb, they could say one of these games is coming out uh, this fall. I don't anticipate that. But yeah, spring, yeah. I'm expecting maybe one comes out in spring, one maybe next fall. I'd be satisfied with that. So that's uh, that's our discussion uh, topic of the week. We are going to take our last break, and we will be back with uh, what JV and I have been playing this past week. So, Jackson, what have you been playing? This week, I got a couple hours into Mafia Definitive Edition. Once again, can't share anything about that until the embargo uh, lifts, so we'll talk about that in this section next week. Outside of that, I've played more Fall Guys, and I'm just enjoying the heck out of that one. The more I play, the more I enjoy it. It's kind of bizarre, not the kind of game I would love, but here we are. And then I played a little bit of Horizon Zero Dawn, and I actually noticed we got a comment on our last, on our first episode about how Horizon Zero Dawn's port isn't great on PC. And I haven't mm. noticed any of those issues while I've been playing, but I've looked around a little bit. And it seems like other people are having issues with the port. So that's a bit of a bummer. It's a game I definitely want to replay before uh, Forbidden West. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. Awesome. As for me, I have uh, played a ton this week. I am still working my way through Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, it is still for some reason not scratching that itch i just think i might have gotten my fill of open world games but i definitely want to finish it because i just feel like that's a game i should have uh under my belt when it comes to the game of the year discussion uh i also played a bunch of retro games when i played tony hawk that got me kind of itching to play some old games so i played tony hawk's pro skater 3 on my playstation 2 and i wanted to play one of kind of an old school uh action adventure so i played a game that is has long been on my backlog, and that's Majora's Mask. The The dungeons are fantastic, but the kind of the open world exploration part of that game is, uh, I just don't feel it holds up quite as well as I had hoped. Um, and then uh, lastly, I started Mortal Shell, which uh, I alluded to earlier in the show. I was really surprised that that game got such a low uh, recommended rating on Open Critic because I'm loving it. Uh, it definitely is um i think you had mentioned jackson that people were saying it was almost too much like dark souls and it is yes. very much like dark souls and uh but i the i actually wasn't a huge fan of dark souls i love sekiro and bloodborne but dark souls was a little too slow and lumbering and i feel like mortal shell you have a bit more control over your character and you can dodge faster the dodges actually work so uh, it's a bit more my speed i'm really loving it i would highly recommend anybody out there who is into Soulsborne games and looking for that type of challenge right now, uh, I would check out Mortal Shell. It's also shorter than than those games. You won't sink 60 hours into this one. It's more of like a, I think, a 20-hour experience from what I've read. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been spending my time with, and it's been a lot of fun this week. The last section of our podcast that we want to uh, end with, we didn't get to do this last week because we didn't have any reader mail to speak of, but we actually got some reader mail, and... Last week, we pitched the question to our listeners, are you getting an Xbox or a PS5 and why? And the responses we got were, were great. We got two that we want to highlight here. One comes from uh, Kyra. I really hope I'm saying that. It's either Kyra or Kyra. And Kyra wrote, I'm definitely getting a PS5 first uh, because of the exclusives. But the reason I got a 1S, an Xbox 1S, was Game Pass. Games are really, ex are really expensive in my country, and Game Pass is a big thing for me. Uh, 
So I might get a Series X at some point. I just thought that was really interesting. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are getting a PS5 first for the exclusives similarly, but Game Pass is something that Xbox, uh, you know, only Xbox has, and that's a big a big thing for people who might be on a budget or might live in a country where games are more expensive. Next, we got a letter from Casey, and Casey said, I will definitely be getting the Series X before I get a PS5. I would much rather play games on the Xbox ecosystem since 90% of games are multi-platform. Game Pass is an added bonus for games I want to dabble in, but don't necessarily have to 100%. So again, Game Pass factoring into uh, why people are, uh, or at least why Casey and also why Kyra are getting an Xbox when they do. So interesting stuff there. Thank you for writing in. We really, again, look forward to hearing from anybody who wants to write into preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us feedback, uh, whether good or bad. Well, I shouldn't say bad, but constructive. (laughs) Um, And we want to pitch out a question. We actually got a question from one of our readers that we wanted to pitch your way, and it's from Nick in Quebec who said, what games with no release date are we looking forward to? So are there any games that you guys are looking forward to that haven't officially been announced or revealed, maybe rumored, uh, that you're really looking forward to? Jackson, are there any games that haven't been announced that you're looking forward to? Just really quick. Yeah, the heavily rumored one is the Mass Effect Trilogy Remaster. That one has still not been dated. It's been heavily rumored, but if that thing is coming out in October, you bet I will be playing it. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen some rumors uh, coming about lately about that, so uh, maybe we'll talk about that soon. For me, i got to throw out, now that I've thought about it, Metroid Prime 4. Uh, We know that game is out there, but no release dates, no official reveal other than a logo, so um, I'll be very excited when that eventually does get uh, revealed. So that is our uh, mailbag section. Again, please send us your your thoughts, uh, preloadedpodcast at gmail.com, and Again, you can listen to Preloaded on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And you can watch the video version on JV's YouTube channel. Just go, if you're not already subscribed to him, uh, go to YouTube and just search for uh, JV. He'll pop right up. So uh, JV, anything that you want to uh, plug on your channel? Uh, So since this podcast will be coming out uh, the following Monday, I want to plug... Uh, whatever mafia-related content I'm going to create. It's a little early, so I'm not sure yet, but I'm probably going to share a few things that I learned from my time with the game. So look forward to that on my channel. Awesome. And uh, as my subscribers know, I post, uh, I take my time with my videos, so I did just start my next preview. It's going to be on Assassin's Creed, Aud- or Assassin's Creed Valhalla, excuse me. So look forward to that, but it is a little ways off. Um, but I'm uh, I'm hard at work, as always, on my next video. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Quest Mode Games. And Jackson, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter, J-V-J-Y-V-E-E, on YT, like on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and even Facebook. Awesome. And I will end things just by saying, if you do listen to us on any of those podcast services, Please subscribe and rate, and if you can, leave a review. It really helps us out uh, in the algorithms, so we'd really appreciate that. And if you do watch on JV's YouTube channel, uh, leave a thumbs up and drop a comment in the comments. We'd love to hear from you there as well. So with that, uh, that is episode two of Preloaded. We will see you 
next Monday with episode three. Bye, guys. 